Ninja. Okay, hi everyone, and welcome to Geography Ninja. Now, you're going to have to excuse me slightly this time because I have, I'm just recovering from a bit of a cold, and my voice is, has gone a bit husky actually as a result. So, I don't know whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, but anyway, it, it is still me, Geography Ninja. So, this time we are talking about Central America and development in Central America. And a few years ago, in 2013, <clears throat> the um, Chinese billionaire Wang, Wang Jing and the Nicaraguan president Daniel Ortega posed in front of the cameras to um, show their plan to build a, uh, a canal through Nicaragua linking the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. And this was a 50 billion US dollar deal between uh, Nicaragua and uh, the Chinese billionaire to make this happen. Um, and earlier this year in 2019, we have found out that this deal is no longer, well, it's on certainly on hold at the moment. Um, so, and it might even be, be shelved. So we're going to be asking what is, is going on there? Why, why was a new canal uh, proposed anyway in the first place. This canal was called the um, the Grand Interoceanic Canal, uh, or more commonly the the Nicaraguan Canal, which would have been twice as long as the Panama Canal. But we've already got the Panama Canal, so why why build another one? Okay, well, I think firstly we need to just take a step back and just think about the geographical location that we're looking at here. It's Central America, and it's particularly the countries of Panama. Costa Rica and Nicaragua. Um, now they're all located on geographically we call it an isthmus, um, and it's a it's a narrow strip of land that uh, joins two larger pieces of land. Um, it's like a land bridge, if you like, is what we're looking at. So, in the case of Central America, it's separating the Atlantic Ocean and the Caribbean from the Pacific. Ocean. And there's been a lot of development here since the early 20th century, so back in 1914, and the construction of the Panama Canal. So this whole region has been strategically highly important for global trade and, and commerce, um, but also as, as, um, as really a shortcut, so, so shipping doesn't have to go all the way um, down past the um, the southern tip of South America. Now, all of these countries in Central America were uh, colonised by Spain. So they're all Spanish-speaking countries um, that have had independence for, uh, well, since really the 1820s when most of these countries became uh, independent of Spain. However, there has been uh, a quite a complex history, I would say, uh, going on, certainly in Panama and Costa Rica, actually Nicaragua as well. They've all had quite a colourful history over the um, over the last hundred years or so. So if we think about Panama to begin with, Panama is where the the Panama Canal is. Clearly, it's been had very uh, a great deal of involvement from the the US, a lot of US influence there, as well as back in 1989, uh, the US actually invaded. Panama to ensure that the um, that the access through the Panama Canal was uh, was 
was still there. Um, Costa Rica itself, um, it had a it had a civil war back in 1949, but has been stable since. In fact, it's, it's one of the very few countries in the world with no regular standing army. Nicaragua itself it gained independence from Spain back in 1821. However, it was occupied by the US between 1912 and 1933. <coughs> Excuse me. And... Um, it did also have a military dictatorship for about 30 years between the 1960s and, um, and 1990. So, so far so good. Um, well, let's have a look at some statistical and development data for these three Central American countries. Um, now, based on income per person in US dollars, Nicaragua is by far the, the, the poor relation out of the three. So so Panama has an income per person of just under twenty thousand US dollars per person. Costa Rica is is around fourteen thousand. Nicaragua is below five thousand. So it's definitely the the poorest of the the three. Nicaragua also has the the highest percentage of youthful population. So if we look at the uh, percentage of population between zero and fourteen um, Nicaragua was on about 32% of that. Um, it also has the the lowest percentage of population with access to electricity, so just under 78% of Nicaragua's population. You compare that to someone like Costa Rica, which has 99.5% um, of its population with electricity. Nicaragua also has higher infant mortality rate, that's per 1,000 live births. Nicaragua was on about 24 per thousand compared to Costa Rica at 10 and Panama at 18. Um, and a couple of other uh, development indicators here as well. In terms of an urban population, Nicaragua has the lowest out of these three countries. It's on 58% urban uh, compared to 79% in Costa Rica. 66 in Panama. And the final one is um, percentage of its workforce employed in agriculture as a percentage. Nicaragua was on about 30%. Um, compare that with Panama at 17 and Costa Rica at 13. So on all of those measures of development, Nicaragua certainly comes across as the, uh, the least economically developed um, country. Now, in terms of um, the type of exports these three countries provide, also, uh, I would say Nicaragua certainly has more in terms of raw materials exports uh, compared to the other two countries, both of which are exporting manufactured goods. So, for example, Costa Rica exports things like integrated circuit boards, office machine parts, and so on. Panama uh, passenger and cargo ships, medicines are in their exports. Looking at Nicaragua, um, much of its exports are based on things like um, coffee, uh, beef, sugar, um, and and so on. Now, <clears throat> so if we if we're you know taking an, an economic profile of these three countries, there are, there are certain differences uh, between them. Now, one one of the other things we look at in terms of geography is in in terms of migration and um all three of these countries do have migrants who move to countries such as the USA and also Spain 
Um, usually economic migrants, so in search of, of a better standard of living, higher wages and so on. And in some cases, they will then send what we call remittances back to their families and so on in their home country. So remittances are just money that's sent from where the migrant has moved to and is currently working back to its uh, the migrant's home country. Now, looking at the figures, um, and these are from 2014 figures, um, Nicaragua has the highest level of remittances, and this is as a percentage of annual gross domestic product. Nicaragua was, was on just under 10%. Um, which had got gone up actually since since uh, year two thousand. So it's on just under ten percent of its GDP comes from remittances of migrants that have moved overseas. Now, if you compare that to Costa Rica on one point two percent, Panama on one point six percent, Nicaragua far and above um, its its neighbours in this fairly small uh, geographical region. All these three countries are in very close proximity to each other. Um, so, you know, poverty is a, a problem in Central America, particularly in in urban areas. So if we, we take a look at this, you know, we normally think that poverty, um, you know, what is the level? What level would we say we would recognise poverty on? And usually we're saying people living below about one US dollar 25 per day. Um, if we we take that measure, um, the number of people overall is quite small. If we're looking at these three countries, um, there are some regional differences there. Um, Nicaragua has certainly got the highest percentage of population, certainly on less than $2 a day. Back in 2013, it was around 40% of the population, um, and you had about 9% of the population on less than $1 a day. So that that's real poverty. Costa Rica is maybe less so. Uh, certainly there is more poverty concentrated in uh, rural areas. Um, uh, and those poverty rates have been increasing, certainly between about 2011 and 2014, those poverty rates uh, increasing in Costa Rica. Um, in Panama, you've got about 25% of the population below the national poverty line but this increases to around 50% in some of Panama's rural areas and it's actually even higher amongst indigenous groups in the country so indigenous groups account for about 5% of Panama's population but poverty rates are more like 80% um, 80% of the indigenous population live below the poverty line so this is all, you know, quite interesting data. The fact that these three countries are—they're all next door to each other. They're all neighbours in Central America. They're—they're they're all quite different, but they do have a a problem from uh, from poverty. Um, so and and also there's an urban and rural difference. If we look at um, Panama City, uh, the capital of Panama, most of the population is uh, European in terms of ethnic background but once you go beyond the the capital city um you know other urban centers generally speaking much poorer um and uh have a, a a wider ethnic mix but you've got a majority black population in other cities in panama Ninja. 
All right, so one thing that is very uh, high and common actually across all three of these countries in Central America is the level of informal employment, particularly amongst uh, the younger population. So between ages of about 16 and 24, some really high levels of informal employment. And the informal sector, or some, sometimes known as the grey economy, is really that uh, those type of jobs that that they're not taxed or they're not really monitored uh, by any anything official. So they're they're often jobs where people you know we might call them sort of under the table, off the books, working for cash. Um, they're the type of jobs people do when they when they can't get any any official employment. They're they're notoriously uh, badly paid and and often quite dangerous. They're not regulated in any way so for example it, it could be it could range from things like um, street vendors or um, you know collecting recycling um, it could be shining people's shoes it could be prostitution there's a whole range of things that people can do as far as the um, the informal sector is concerned so looking at uh, the the three countries um, it, it ranges from about 20% of all non-agricultural workers uh, in Nicaragua to, uh, sorry, in Panama, uh, close to about 50% in Nicaragua. So that's, again, it's another indicator that the, the economy is maybe not what it, what it could be and, and people are falling between the, the cracks and are remaining in poverty under those type of situations. Okay, well let's let's move on to thinking about some of the 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 recent discussion of mega projects that have been proposed for Central America and we will go back a century or, or so to the opening of the Panama Canal. So this is 48 miles across cutting across the isthmus uh, in Panama linking the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. Uh, which opened in 1914 and you know the idea behind it was to reduce uh, travel time to get from the Pacific to the Atlantic or, or vice versa. Uh, <clears throat> so there's a series of, of waterways and locks through the Panama Canal. It takes about six hours or so to get through there. Um, now the, the problem with it is that it was built a century or more ago. Many modern ships container ships and tankers are too large to to use that canal so you know over recent decades the size of shipping has increased as world trade has has increased as well um now this goes goes for ships carrying uh raw materials uh, and container ships and oil tankers and so on but it also goes for for cruise ships, so they've been increasing in size as well. And as a result of these concerns, the Panama Canal has been expanded. So back in 2016, uh, the canal expansion was inaugurated, and as a result, we've got uh, there's a there's an extra lane now that's been added to the Panama Canal, um, which means 
uh, it's more accessible. You've got a greater capacity now being able to move through the Panama Canal. So that's been a big change in recent years for uh, these mega projects. Now, what has what has shifted is what's going on further north. So the idea of the, the Nicaragua Canal, which was proposed back in 2013, um, and then supposed to begin shortly after that, seems to have stalled. It seems to have come to a complete uh, standstill. I mean, that was supposed to have been completed by around 2020. Uh, the idea being it was uh, uh, operating as an alternative to the Panama Canal, um, but there were lots of questions over the feasibility of it from a whole range of different reasons, partly from um, tectonic activity uh, in the area uh, reasons, but also in terms of in environmental sustainability and just also in terms of the cost. It was planned to cost somewhere in the region or in excess of 50 billion US dollars. Now, so according to news sources, there's been a lot of opposition within Nicaragua to the proposed canal. Um, now, it's not just a canal, by the way. This this is being termed as a mega project. So as well as the canal, it was also supposed to be including an airport, um, a pipeline for energy and uh, two ports with a free trade zone as well. However, within Nicaragua, the the opposition has come from from various groups, including indigenous groups, uh, environmentalists, farmers, uh, human human rights um, activists, and so on, who really were very concerned about the impact on Nicaragua, despite the the some of the the development issues and the need for investment and jobs and you know a boost to Nicaragua's um, econo- economy. Now, what was reported in Huffington Post in June of 2015, I'm just going to read some of this out. It says, under the blue and white flag of Nicaragua and homemade banners accusing the president of selling out the country, some 10,000 peasant farmers marched against the government's effort to expropriate land and make way for a $50 billion private Chinese canal project. Saturday's march against the canal was a 47th massive project, uh, so protest against the canal, since the ruling Sandinista Front rammed the sweetheart concession law through Congress, giving unknown Chinese businessman Wang Jing 50-year ownership rights to what's being called the largest infrastructure project ever attempted. So, you know, as a result of this, we might need to to question, really, the, the validity and the feasibility of these mega projects um very unpopular across Nicaragua but you know arguably could have provided that economic boost that seems to be seems to be needed there um just so just before we we finish off and wrap things up um you know there are some resource problems some environmental challenges if you like with these mega projects and um the the idea of canals like the Panama Canal working is all based on the ability to have to transport ships up and down the canal routes, but using a lot of water. You need a water supply to operate these these locks. Now, um, with the proposed Nicaragua Canal, water would have come from 
Lake Nicaragua, which is the largest lake in Central America. However, I think you know some of the environmental concerns over this were um, related to well, maybe there wouldn't be enough water given the size of the canal um, and the, the volume of water that would be needed to operate locks. The concerns were really that uh, during dry seasons, the the lake would really it would be be struggling to provide enough water to allow. Um, any any other purpose other than the, the navigation up and down through the canal. So, uh, you know, lack of resources could, could have been actually a really big environmental problem um, for Nicaragua, which, which is, by all measures, a really poor country. You know, we, we talked about some of the development indicators earlier on but um, you know, six point one million people in Nicaragua, and it's, it's it's one of the poorest countries in the the Western Hemisphere. It's actually the second poorest in the Americas after Haiti. Uh, so clearly, you know, it does need something to to help lift it out of, out of poverty, and presumably this um, this project was seen as as one possible way of doing that. Anyway, we shall finish off there now. I hope you found that interesting. Um, and I'm looking forward to speaking to you again very soon. Okay, bye-bye.